When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Within the Clutch Sports Apparel, your one-stop shop for all your unique fandom sports apparel with fully licensed merchandise covering the major five sports, your favorite players, and all the teams from every major city with unique feature designs that only you as the fan will have. Go to intheclutch.com and use promo code Bill. MDFF show for 10% off your order today with free shipping on orders of $100 or more. Again, that's promo code BellyUpMDFF show for 10% off your unique fandom collection today. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome in, MD Nation. You're tuning into the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and we're back and better than ever because we're changing up things all around, getting ready for the new season because training camp is here. You're watching us live right now on our YouTube channel. Check us out on demand on your any TV app, any mobile web browsing device, and you go to bellyup.tv and make sure you download us after the show 
on our favorite podcast or your favorite podcast app, whichever one it is. I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dauhauer and the intern, Danielle. Chris, how's it going? Going really, really, really well. Super excited for training camp as well. Um, you know, getting a lot of news coming out. I think from one Hall of Famer to another Hall of Famer. Um, I think that, you know, we're pretty excited about the season. <laughs> How asinine was that comment from Devontae Adams? I love that he clarified. He was like, no, it was even if I went from a Hall of Famer to a Hall of Okay, okay, Devontae. We know you and Derek are sharing rooms all over the place. Danielle, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I am excited to watch these debates today because it is going to be intense, I think. We are putting an emphasis on that because it's just me and Chris. So we'll actually have a little bit more time to dive into some of these things that we didn't necessarily have as much time for when we had the guests on before. Don't worry, we're going to have more guests throughout the month of August, getting you the best entertainment, the best information we possibly can. But, Daniel, what are we talking about today? We are talking about the long-awaited AFC West. There's a lot to unfold, so we might as well jump into it, right? Absolutely. And here's what I'll say first. The AFC West, if you decided, for whatever reason, you just wanted to draft an entire team based on the AFC West players, you probably would walk away with a pretty decent fantasy team. That's how stacked this division is going to be. That's how high scoring we expect these games to be throughout the season. But, Danielle, you will probably break up some fights later on the show, so I'm pretty sure we're going to see her again here throughout the afternoon or the evening. All right, so let's get into it. Listen, Chris, listen, man. There's a lot to unpack, a lot of superstars to talk about, a lot of things in flux even with the AFC West. Well, let's start off with somebody everyone's excited about with our first obvious starter at the quarterback list. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. It's Justin Herbert. His ADP is QB3. I have him ranked at QB3, and believe it or not, that makes him my top AFC West ranked fantasy quarterback. We'll get into Patrick Mahomes and why he's not quite up there in just a second. Look, I was wrong on Herbert. I wasn't a fan when he came out of college. I didn't think he could read defenses all that well. I thought he had a big arm, but typically like to check it down. And you know what? I had to sit back and say, maybe, maybe it was just Oregon. And I was wrong. And that makes two now. That makes Herbert and Allen. I missed on those two. I have to say, I, now I scored on some others. Let's not forget the Lamar Jackson of it all and some other guys. But we're going into this season. Second year now, he's had some continuity going into his third year from his second year. Same coaching regime still there in place. They re-signed Mike Williams. Of course, Keenan Allen, all reliable, is there. Austin Eckler is there to clean up anything that he needs to dump down for. And we got word that... Josh Palmer, he's starting to emerge as a potential weapon to get down the field. Is there any reason for Justin Herbert to not be an elite-tier quarterback this season in your fantasy football drafts? Look, this is a guy who's definitely down on as well. You know, last year I had him on my bust list. Wasn't a guy necessarily I thought was going to be a complete bust, but just thought he was going to get drafted too high while I'm having an outstanding season. Was a little fluky here and there in some points where you had some big games followed by some duds. Um, but I think overall, Justin Herbert is definitely a must-start, as you talk about. I think he's one of the better options. I just think it's about where you take him at, how rich is you kind of were interested in taking these quarterbacks at. I think you have him at three. You talked about, you know, are you going to take him in the sixth, seventh round, or are you going to kind of wait on the quarterbacks with a lot of different options, particularly in this division itself, as we'll get into. So for me, I think Justin Herbert is definitely a guy that you like, but is he going to be a guy that you're going to spend the draft capital on? That's the only question I have for him. Yeah, last year he was a QB, too, and that's the other thing. So can he go to another level? 
Or are we going to see some regression here to Justin Herbert? Because when you're drafting quarterbacks that high, because there's so many that are valuable throughout the draft, you don't want to get caught drafting a guy too high necessarily. Well, let me just add also, there are a little bit, you know, some question marks to a degree. He does have some accuracy issues. We did see some defenses give him some difficult time. So you got a third year tape on this guy. The system had kind of bogged down as the season progressed. Mike Williams got resigned, but Mike Williams wasn't the same kind of explosive receiver as the season progressed. You talk about Josh Palmer, that third receiver stepping up. We've been waiting for that third receiver to step up for a long time now. They keep drafting one. So, you know, there's a lot of hope. It is the Chargers. They always seem to kind of find a way to kind of screw it up when they're supposed to be good. So I am really interested now they actually have the target on their back. Um, you know, will they kind of rise to the occasion? Last year, their defense was pathetic and horrible. It's supposed to be really pretty good this year. So will they have to kind of shoot Until out? Until they get hurt again. Well, exactly. But will they have, you know, shootouts with every game? they kind of like they were last year, where basically they had to have the ball. They're going for fourth and, you know, fourth and five all the time. So the one thing you do like, and I will, you know, definitely encourage is that when we talk about systems and coaches, this offense is a very quarterback friendly system and they like the pace that they go for a fourth down. They're very aggressive. So when you have those kind of systems, quarterbacks are usually nice to have. Let's move into a guy that I'm locking him in as a QB one, but not as high as everybody else. Lock him in. It's a lock. So Patrick Mahomes, his ADP is QB two overall. I have him at quarterback six. That's right, quarterback six, meaning basically my best advice to give you about Patrick Mahomes is don't draft him where you'd have to draft him to match that ADP at QB2. It's just flat out, it's not worth it. Mahomes, from a fantasy aspect, he hasn't been elite outside of his record-breaking year. He hasn't been in the top three, and now you're going to take away Tyreek Hill? He hasn't finished in the top three since 2018. How are we going to expect Patrick Mahomes to return value at the ADP of QB2? No, and I can understand some questions. I don't have necessarily as number two. I do think he's definitely in discussions of top five, and if not the top three, um, I like Lamar more than some people do. Besides, who I have slotted there, but I do think um, you know, look at Patrick Mahomes. I, you talk about the track record. A lot of it had to do with some injuries, some you know, kind of quirky things with his shoulder, had some lower body injuries. So a lot of times he's kind of playing banged up out there. But when Patrick Mahomes is healthy. Usually he produces, and very few quarterbacks you can kind of bank on getting to do 300 yards to two or three touchdowns per game. Even though this offense was, you know, bad at points last year, he still had a good season overall statistically. The Chiefs were still scoring points at a great pace. So when you look at a team that kind of adjusted as the season progressed, I think this is an Andy Reid system that's going to fit Patrick Mahomes a little bit differently. You're going to see him spread the ball more, but it doesn't mean the volume is going to go anywhere. So I think Patrick Mahomes is still going to be that guy that's going to have the ball in his hands, slinging it around. And I'm not a big believer in this Chiefs defense either. So I think when you put those things together, Patrick Mahomes is a guy that's going to keep you a lot of games this season. Well, yeah, of course. And that's why I lock him in as a QB6. He's still going to be a QB1. But the point that we're making here is that he's getting drafted as the QB2 overall. Again, going back, it's more than just being banged up. It's It's been f- almost four years now since he's been able to finish as a top three QB. I'm not going to expect him to in the absence of Tyreek Hill to suddenly do it. Does somebody emerge? Potentially. But you are having a carousel right now of replacements to replace one of the best receivers in the NFL an all-timer at that with Juju Smith-Schuster, with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, with Sky Moore, who I like, and he's a rookie. You can't have the same kind of confidence. I don't understand why he's going to QB2 when you have guys, I'm with you. I have Lamar ranked higher, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert ranked higher. I have Kyler Murray ranked higher. Give me the guys who are going to run 
a little bit more than a Patrick Mahomes is going to do. And especially if you get back the last year, did they figure out how to beat the cover two, how to beat the cover three deep? Now, are they going to are they going to be able to slash their way down the field? Because that became an issue. There was a stretch for four games where people actually had to question whether or not they needed to start Patrick Mahomes at all in fantasy football. And that comes from not having the rushing floor of some of these other guys when you're talking about the elite of the elite. Of course he's a QB1. That's not the question. The question is, is he worth it at the value price? Yeah, and I, but I, I'll say this. I think this is a year that's kind of odd for me. Usually I'm kind of higher on quarterbacks, taking them higher than you would be. But this is a year where I think you don't reach in a quarterback, and I, I think the value is so great throughout the draft that you know some of these quarterbacks, no matter who you're talking about, even Josh Allen's most elite guys, I'm not going too high on them this year. Speaking about not reaching, I got a lookout for for you. Look out for. I got two lookout fours for you, actually. But first one up, Russell Wilson, his ADPs could be 10. I also have him at the QB 10. And it kind of surprised me that people were actually that low on Russell Wilson. I thought I would be lower than the rest. When you look at a Russell Wilson, you think to yourself, like, oh, he's been a really good quarterback, of course, for fantasy football purposes at times, but he's kind of the similar boat of a Pax for Holmes where it's been a long time since he's been in the top three. Actually, since 2017 is the last time he's been in the top three. And it's not because he hasn't had the weapons. You know, everyone's excited. He's going to Denver Broncos. You have all these young, great toys to play with. But look, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and some of the weapons Wilson has had throughout his career, no slouches there. So it's not like he hasn't had the toys in place. The reason I am not going to be higher or uber excited about Wilson himself and his fantasy value, I love what he does to everybody else, but his own fantasy value, I'm worried about the pace of play. That's what held him back in Seattle. Why does that change under Nathaniel Hackett with the Denver Broncos, a guy who's also coming off of a system where it's a slow pace of play? There was actually something that came out today talking about that and Hackett saying the tempo of the offense will depend on Russell Wilson. Maybe Wilson will kick it in the high gear himself, but that has not been the case throughout his entire career. And while he's a good fantasy quarterback, we've seen plenty of years where he's been very uneven from start to finish. He either starts off hot and slows way down or has a slow start and then picks up in the second half of the season. Very rarely is it from week one to now week 18. No, and I understand some of the you know there's some of your concerns, but I also think that Russell Wilson, when he's on his game, is one of the best quarterbacks you can have in fantasy football. We've seen the spurts you talked about, and I think he's finally an offense is going to be more consistent. He had weapons in Seattle, but the Seattle didn't really have an identity, and the offensive line was disgusting. Denver offline is definitely more has more continuity, does a better job pass protection, uh, run blocking. I think the system fits better, um, and then you put some of the things like you talked about Russell Wilson having it in his hands. I don't know if this was a great hire or not Nathaniel Hackett, but I have seen Nathaniel Hackett use pace before. I have seen him use that when he was in college and when he came out and did the pros. I have seen him use that in Jacksonville. Now, he's usually more run-oriented. Russell Wilson might have some of that, but you're going to have the shots down the field as a result. Blake Bortles was pretty successful in this offense when Blake Bortles had to have quite the skill set. First season, but best. yes. Yes, um, but think about the skill set is what I'm kind of getting at. Blake Bortles isn't a great runner but he can run a little bit, so he has some scrambling yards there. Russell Wilson has that ability to kind of pick up those sneaky yards here. They're going to rush for a bunch of touchdowns, but that scrambling picking up you know, 40, 50 yards per game, that adds up for people. Um, when you look at the offense in general, the ability to run the ball and then also attack from all levels with the receivers, I just don't think he quite had the same kind of pieces in place in Seattle, and I think it's very clear that he made it, why he wanted out of Seattle was he wanted to kind of shine. He wants to be with, considered one of the elite quarterbacks up there with discussion with all these guys. Part of that's having the numbers to go with that. That's why the Russ Cook, that Russ Cook thing has been all started. Um, I think there's a, 
<laughs> I think there's a reason that when you go to Denver, they paid a lot of stuff for you. But as a quarterback, you kind of pick where you want to go. And I think that part of that agreement is this is going to be my show. We saw Green Bay have their decision with the system was going to be the Aaron Rodgers said, uh-uh-uh, I run this show. And we saw how that kind of worked out. I think it's going to be the same thing in Denver. Well, you hit on two key points right there. Number one, the tempo. If they go up tempo with these weapons, then all bets are off. He'll perform. He'll outperform his QB10 performers. There's no question about that. The second thing is the rushing. Russell Wilson, for being a mobile quarterback, does not give you the same type of rushing stats as the Kyler Murrays, the Lamar Jackson, the Jalen Hurts of the world do. He doesn't run first like those other guys, or I should say run as much as those other guys typically do. So that's the other thing that kind of holds him back a little bit. But the big thing will be the tempo. And I would be remiss if I did not mention if he does pick up the tempo, they do unleash him with these weapons. It could be quite fantastic when you're looking at six games minimum that are probably going to be shootouts. I, I think Denver has a good defense. I think the Chargers could have a good defense. I, Raiders and Chiefs are a whole other level. But even in the case of the Broncos and the Chargers, because those offenses and those divisions are so good, they all could be shootout type of games, and it might not even matter. So there's definitely a pathway for him to have an upside but that has not been the case for a really long time, and we need to see some changes in what's been the recent tendencies between the coaching staff and Russell Wilson. So that's why he's kind of a lookout for, and that's why I don't have him higher than my QB10. But let's hit the second lookout for a quarterback. Lookout for... All right, that is Derek Carr. His ADP is QB13. I put him in my QB 12. Now, if you remember and you go back in our episodes, you download on your favorite podcast app or you check us out on our YouTube channel, you go back to the NFC North and we talked about Aaron Rodgers. And I talked about then how I was battling with having Derek Carr basically one spot behind Rodgers and I was debating if I was going to move him up or not. I did that. That's why Carr is now inside of my QB 12. He was very good last season with a Waller who was in and out of the lineup. Hunter Renfro and not much else in the middle of a coaching disarray that was going on with the Raiders. Now things have cleaned up. He's got what's considered to be a good offensive mind in Josh McDaniels, supposedly a healthy Darren Waller, a more established Hunter Renfro, and of course, Devontae Adams. So if he is as accurate as he was last season, if he's as efficient as he was last season with the addition of Adams, hopefully, and this will be the key part, hopefully helping him out in the red zone. That's what's held Derek Carr back. That's what has kept him from having a ceiling of a QB1 because he doesn't put up the kind of touchdowns that you need for that QB1 to be there consistently. Does Adams make that happen for Derek Carr? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. 
I don't know if he makes that happen. I think he helps Carr get into that next, you know, middle echelon or that upper echelon of the middle in a sense where we have the Kirk Cousins, the Matt Ryans historically. Those guys are kind of on the cusp. They're always kind of lacked, you know, the touchdowns, have the yards, have different production week in, week out, but it's not really, you know, the 400 yards. It's not the big games. It's not the four touchdown, five touchdown passes. They're pretty consistent guys. They're nice guys. We're usually going to rotate with these guys. Derek Carr could be a guy possibly this year who could be your quarterback one first, you know, a 10 or 12 team league. Um, having said that, of all the quarterbacks in this division, probably the quarterback who I have some of the bigger concerns about when it comes to if things don't work out around him perfectly. Because everybody else can kind of play the street ball and kind of does well in that street ball role. Derek Carr has to have everything kind of well-oiled around him for him to kind of be, you know, at his optimal. And I think that this team has a lot of adjustments. Jonathan McDaniels in the system, I think, was going to be, you know, really good for the system. I think eventually it'll kind of catch. But at the beginning of the season, I wouldn't be surprised this team kind of struggles, particularly passing the ball, because you're learning a whole different passing attack. You're learning a different scheme. And you're getting guys kind of adjusted into your your, your offense that you haven't had before. Devontae Adams did play with Derek Carr, but, you know, Playing in Fresno State back in the day was a pretty long time ago. So I can't say that they had this great connection still. But they're best friends, Chris. Cooper Cup and Matthew well, Stafford listen, became best friends. Having said all that, I just want to remind you, when you talk about Derek Carr, you need to say Hall of Famer Derek Carr. <laughs> we will never let him edit his comment ever on this show. The one thing I do want to throw out there, and, and right now we have a best ball tournament going on, the, the third annual Belly up best ball where we're donating half of the total pot to Alex Lemonade stand. Uh, when you're talking about best ball strategy, I'm all about being able to pair up and stack Devontae Adams with where you can get Derek Carr later on. So something to kind of keep in mind there. And I do am still bullish on Derek Carr being a top 12 quarterback this season. But let's get into our running backs with our top lock them in. Lock them in. It's a lock. I'm locking Austin Eckler in as an RB1. However, kind of like the home situation, his ADP right now is still up in the RB2 area while I have him ranked at RB6. I can't put him in the same mix as Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Najee Harris. So that, that rounds out my top five right there, by the way. And I still battle with having him in front of Derrick Henry at the moment. I still go back and forth on that myself. Is he an RB1? Yes. Is it a great offense? Absolutely. Will he catch the ball? Of course he will. But my problem with Eckler is Isaiah Spiller. They drafted Isaiah Spiller to be what Joshua Kelly could not be, to be what Justin Jackson could not be, and that is somebody to come in to take some of the workload off of Eckler, in particular in the red zone, which is really where Eckler blew up last season. That's why he became the elite RB1 that everyone now wants to draft him to be. It was His touchdown rate was through the roof. Eckler's not a goal-line guy, typically speaking. That's not usually where they want to use him. That's why they keep trying to find him a teammate. Chris, are you on the same page with me where you're not taking him inside that top three and you have him as still as an RB1, but maybe not with your elite top five picks? I think that he's definitely outside my top three. Now, I have after that, I think you can start having debates of who you like more. I, I For example, I could Dalvin Cook more than I like him. Um, I think Dalvin Cook has more upside in his offense, and I still I know the injury concern seems to be why Osaka might be the, you know higher, I guess, than some of these other guys. Christian McCaffrey's been banged up. Derek Henry's banged up. Dalvin Cook was banged up. But Austin Eckler's not always 100% healthy, and this is a guy who's come out made it very obvious he does not want to be a full-time running back in a sense. He wants to have his touches limited. He wants to make sure that he's kind of keeping himself fresh. So when you kind of hear that as fantasy, it's kind of, you know, question 22, you want to see this guy do his thing. But as you pointed out, 
some of these hard running yards or some of those short yardage, particularly in the red zone, that's some of the places where you can find a way to bring in a spiller or spring in somebody else to kind of a round tree to kind of utilize, take some of those beating, those heavy hits off of Eckler. I think this guy's going to be outstanding, have an outstanding season. But until last year, we have not seen a touchdown production like that. If that continues, then, you know, I'll eat my words. But if he, I just can't see it, he has not shown you historically he has been doing that. And this offense is a lot more mouth to feed. So I think adding all those things together, Austin Eckler is still definitely a top, you know, running back, a guy that you probably definitely take in the first round. But after the top three, I can't say you should. This next guy, I think I'm going to make some people jaws drop on this next guy. Look out for him. Look out for I love this player. I do. I was high on him coming out of college. I think he's got tremendous talent. I think he's got a tremendous future. But right now, Javante Williams, his ADP is RB9. And it's not just the public. It's pretty much the rest of the industry. I have him ranked all the way down at RB17. I'm pretty sure I'm like the lowest guy on Javante Williams. And my question to everyone involved is did you forget they re-signed Melvin Gordon? Did you forget that last year, when you say a 50-50 split, usually it's it's still leaning a little bit towards one play. No, 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 no. This was a 50-50 split. Dead even carries, dead even targets across the board with these two guys. Now, do I think it'll lean more towards Javante Williams this season? Yeah. But even if you slide that up to 60-40, which I don't think is going to be much more of a separation than that, you're still talking about a guy who ultimately doesn't have the same volume or upside, I believe. I shouldn't say upside. Doesn't have the same general volume as these top 10 guys, which is why he comes in my RB17. There are so many other guys who have a more clear-cut path for more of the workload, whether it be in the rushing game or receiving game. Because Melvin Gordon does both, he's platooning the whole way. Does, is Williams' talent good enough to give him the upside potentially of finishing an RB1? And would I be surprised if he finished the top 12? No, I wouldn't be shocked. But the draft's in there, you're taking a hell of a risk that no one seems to be talking about. But, Chris, I mean, hey, am I crazy? No, I don't think so. I mean, look, I don't think Javante Williams is down 17 quite as low as maybe you have him right now. But he's definitely not one of the top 10 running backs. Um, when you have all the – you start going through the names, like Nick Chubb, for example – when you compare guys where their volume is, the touches they're seeing, the offenses that they're in, it's going to be really hard to all of a sudden have a guy who you just talked about a 50-50 split last year, having a new coaching system that utilized two running backs last year with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon is probably going to be a similar split. Now, it could be 60-40. And I also think Javante Williams can easily be an RB1 still. But it's really hard to try to take him over a David Montgomery, some of the other guys that you see clear, this is your backfield, this is your volume where this guy could could be the guy, but you have a lot of reasons to kind of question, is he definitely the guy? The offense has definitely improved Russell Wilson. Last year, you know, they were horrible at the quarterback position, but they really committed to running the ball consistently. We talked about the pace and Russell Wilson and his being his offense. Are they going to make the same commitment to make sure all the running backs get all those carries? So that's where you have some kind of trepidation. If it's 50-50 split, you're only getting 12 or 13 touches. Javante Williams isn't going to be the same kind of value, especially the top 10 running back that other people could be. I find myself in a, a between a rock and a hard place with this next player that I'm looking out for. Look out for. Josh Jacobs, he perplexes me. He does. He perplexes me. Look, Josh McDaniels, he's been a run balance coach for the past couple of seasons. 
We know he'll, he'll pound it up the middle. He usually leans on one guy to be that, you know, that rock, that workhorse, the goal line guy. And I think Jacobs is a very good running back. I do. And I think he'll fit that role. And I just, I think he's the best running back on that roster. I don't think it's close. But they didn't pick up his option. So that could be one of two things, right? Either they're looking to move on from him as soon as possible, or maybe they use him up because they don't care what happens to him after that. It could go one of two ways. You have Kenyon Drake, who's still going to be there with a coach that typically has a running back by committee approach, or at least has guys specialized in different roles. Because of Drake's contract, they're, they're probably not going to cut him. He's probably going to still be on the roster. So you imagine they'll use him more as the pass catching back. But then you have the hype of Zamir White coming up behind everybody else. And he, Zamir White's Josh McDaniel's guy. That's who he drafted. He likes his talent. Right now, Jacobs, is his ADP is at RB20. I have him ranked at the RB24 because I think he's still a good player who's going to get a lot of touchdowns. But I'm not thrilled about his ceiling. And if he doesn't have a Damian Harris-like astronomical touchdown rate that he had last season, there could be a floor bottoming out here. But where do you find yourself with Josh Jacobs, Chris? Yeah, right around the same boat that you have him. I think this guy has... Is a guy that you could win you, uh, you know, a, a league, but also is a guy that you definitely don't want to risk to taking too high, as you're pointing out, for all the different concerns. The thing I just want to point out this is the white love, the zero white. Josh McDaniels might have his, his pick on the guy, but rarely has he played a rookie running back. Go through all the years in New England, he rarely ever plays a rookie running back. Steve is so the I'm, only one that jumps to mind. And that took him a while to get into that rotation, and he had to basically go through, go through attrition because there were some injuries that occurred, and then he got finally into the rotation and got that chance. Rarely does that happen for for the young guys. This guy already is missing camp. There already has issues, already um, some injuries concerns possibly. They're not related to reporting. Was, hasn't been at training camp so far. So I think when you start a new offense, we talked about before, at the quarterback's position, a new running back is not going to be something you're going to also add to the equation. I think Josh Jacobs is the, you know old familiar in a sense. The thing that you're worried about and definitely disappointing is what you saw kind of that breakout last year where he was actually involved in the passing game probably isn't going to happen. I think you see him clearly playing that Sonny Michelle role that in New England and being utilized in a very similar way. The problem with that, again, is does Josh McDaniels kind of get tired of you sometimes where he decides to use some other running back, get that three or four yard touchdown run. Um, so that's the only concerns I have with Jacobs where you're going to have you're going to have a really hard time knowing what week to week to play him, I think. And then until you see some kind of you know rotation in the backfield, I think all you're hearing is a lot of guessing, uh, people kind of assuming things. But I think when it comes down to the, you know Josh McDaniels in the system, we can't just say that they're not going to play Jacobs, but you can't also say they're going to play rookies all the time or all these different guys. So I think 20, the 20s is a good place to kind of have this guy. All right, so we talked a little bit concerningly about the last two guys with where their ADP is. Let's talk about somebody I'm hyped on. Look out for... Look out for... The tree's going to have to look out for Ronald Jones. Right now, his ADP is at RB40. I have him at RB30. I Look, no one doubts the talent of a runner that Ronald Jones is. And Andy Reid, in his past history, he likes those guys sometimes. He likes to give them the goal line work which is something Clyde Edwards-Alaire has just not been very good at and why I see a clear-cut role for Ronald Jones to come in here and maybe be the main first, second down guy, especially be the main goal line guy. And when you put him on that offense, 
with some of the lanes that Ronald Jones will have the run through, he could be very explosive. Do I think he'll be a 15-plus carry guy? No, and that gets reflected in why I still have him at RB30. We're not getting crazy here. But is he going to get the pivotal touches in the red zone? Will he have chances to break off big runs? Will he be in good opportunities with this Chiefs offense? Yes, I do. And this also goes into my Clyde Edwards-Alaire point. His ADP is at RB26. I have him ranked right now at RB37. I am way lower on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah, I've been talking down Clyde Zeller since the day he's been drafted, and frankly, I've been proven right to this point, I'd have to say. It doesn't make any sense. They you bring in Ronald Jones because why? Clyde Zeller is not very good in the red zone. He proved that. Why? Because he's not very explosive out of the backfield. Already knew that, and he's proven that. That's why you bring Ronald Jones in. So now what you're doing, if you have him at the RB26, is a high-end RB3, is a high-end flex play, what you're hoping for is that he gets involved in the passing game. But that hasn't come to fruition two seasons in a row. Why? Because Mahomes doesn't check the ball down. Does he maybe do it a little bit more in the absence of Tyree Kill? Possibly. We had yet to be seen, but possibly if he doesn't have that go-to weapon, maybe he checks the ball down a little bit more. But it's not in his nature, and that's why Clyde Edwards-Alaire has suffered. So, yes, I have Ronald Jones ranked in front of Clyde Edwards-Alaire this year. I trust what his role is going to be versus the usage of what Hilaire will be, and I believe Hilaire will wind up being a bust and will pretty much be done with this whole should he be a starter after this season. Chris, where are you on these guys? Well, I'm definitely not in the same boat with the aura. I definitely like Ronald Jones, and I think he's definitely a guy you can have on your fantasy team. A wonderful handcuff, a guy that has value. We saw Williams last year have value for this Kansas City backfield. We actually saw Edwards Hilaire and Williams both have value in this backfield, both at the same time, incredibly. So when you look at an offense that is in transition, and running backs will be utilized a little bit more, I think, in this offense. We saw that kind of happen last year at the, towards the end of the season. We talked about that you know, four-game stretch. Patrick Mahomes did right the ship at the end of the season. The Chiefs' offense was able to start scoring points again, and a big part of that was their running backs. Now, you have some concerns about Ronald Jones, where I maybe you think that he has this clear-cut thing. This is a guy who's been moved on from Tampa Bay. Kansas City basically paid this guy very little money. Um, there's a lot of talk about him not making making the roster. So it's because, only from one report from Roto World. Everyone is, else or, has him potentially being the starter or definitely being involved. That's the only one saying yeah. anything else. But that, that is part of the, the part of the conversation. So I'm just saying that it's not clear cut that this guy is going to take Kyle Edwards Hilaire's job. I have not read anywhere where everybody's saying Kyle Edwards Hilaire is being phased out of the offense, that he's not going to be utilized. I didn't say phased I, out, but well, his role is changing. But, but my point is, is that there are reports contrary that it's going to be somebody – using being the primary back but Hillary Slayer there's nothing saying that he's going away nobody's reporting that so that's what I'm just pointing about but I don't think this is the you know the end of end of him this isn't a guy who we're looking at um can't be utilized isn't somebody 26 I think is a fair value for him I think a guy looking for RB2 value maybe RB3 good flex option Ronald Jones could be that similar guy I I used Green Bay as an example earlier I think you're going to see something similar Aaron Jones kind of has that usage Clyde Hillary can be kind of that Rotated guy, AJ Dillon has a more that physical role. I don't agree with you that they're going to have only a, a goal line back. Um, they didn't do that last year. They could have done that when Williams was both healthy and Edwards Lara's, but they both rotated both those guys. So I think it's going to kind of be utilizing similar to the Green Bay. You're going to see guys kind of splitting uh, splitting series, and I think as a result, both will be productive. But I, I think they have both value. I just can't be down on CEH as much as you are yet. Look, Williams is a nice player. 
but he doesn't have the talent that Ronald Jones has. Now, yes, is he better in the passing game as a pass protector? Yeah, that's what holds Ronald Jones back from actually. That's why Tampa Bay moved on from from to your point. But he doesn't have the talent of a Ronald Jones as a runner. So I don't believe it's going to be the same case where they use Jones the way they did Williams or lack thereof as far as him taking over a red zone role. And you say both these guys were productive. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was the RB29 from weeks 11 through 16 when he was splitting time with Darrell Williams. By the way, still getting worked in. But that was in 37. Zone. Still getting worked in in the red zone in those situations, which kept him up a little bit because he was able to get a couple of touchdowns during that stretch. I'm not giving him those same opportunities because that's not what I'm going to see. And I, I'm willing to put my, ba- my bet, my wager down on it. That's not what you're going to see at a Clyde Edwards-Alaire this season. You are dependent on the passing game. But what happens when they decide that because they don't have Tyreek Hill, they don't have that explosion down the field they used to, that they want to get more explosive out of the backfield? What happens if they decide to get Jared McKinnon more involved? Because that's a real possibility as well. Sure, it definitely is. And we hope Jared McKinnon have a nice little run in the playoffs. But how long are we going to sit there and listen to the Jared McKinnon hype every team he's been for the 49ers, he's So where is he going to come still keep stealing everybody's job? The guy's about to be 30 years old. They have a young running back. They have draft capital spent on. They have a, a run, running back, Ronald Jones, they just brought in. I don't think Jeremy McKinnon all of a sudden is going to be the guy that they want to make sure they get the ball to. So I understand you're you're, you're looking for explosiveness and you're questioning Kyler's Hilaire, but he had a pretty solid second half of the season last year. And at 26, it's not 37. And the offense will be more reliant on the running backs this year because they do not have Tyreek Hill. So you add all those things. I don't see this you know report where you're getting, maybe you have the, you can see the future. I can't yet. That he's going to be phased out because you know I never you said like phased out. I never said phased. You're saying out. he's not going to be utilizing the, the red zone. You can't see it because I'm last saying year, when you get in the goal line area, you're you're going to most likely see Ronald Jones in there. And that when you get inside the five, inside the ten, you're most likely going to see Ronald Jones in those situations. That is a logical, more likely thing to expect with a guy like Clyde Zelaire, who has a 2.6% touchdown rate and a big reason why you can't trust him in the red zone. And what kept him afloat towards the second half of the season last year, you said from those weeks 11 to 16? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He had three touchdowns during that stretch. So Two game and receiving game. Now we're not in the red zone. <laughs> Was he taken so, out in the red zone during those time frames? That, that? That's the, to me, that's the thing. Was he taken out in the red zone during those time frames? Was there him only and Darrell clear- Williams were mixing? But this goes back to the point of Darrell Williams is not Ronald Jones. And at the end of the day, you still draft the Clouds to be an RB two. He was an RB twenty nine in points per game last season. Go ahead, I make one last point because then we got to hit the break. I was going to say he's not Ronald Jones, which is even better for him because Williams could play on third downs, could be utilized in the passing attack. And when they fell down, we talked about the division is going to be high scoring. When you have a high scoring game, usually those pass catching backs are out there. The guys who pass protect, Ronald Jones can't do either one of those things. So we'll see how it progresses. And you're hoping on that, and you're talking about a team that doesn't check the ball down very often. But we got to hit a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got wide receivers and tight ends in the AFC West to talk about. And we got more debates for you. So stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Got Bush? 
you definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. Taking control of your bush is important. These products are so good, you're going to be showing pride in your new bush-free yard. It's a fact that you will have the best-kept nut sack on the cul-de-sac. Save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using the discount code BELLYUPFANTASY for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Whether you're looking to go bald like an eagle or just in need of a safe trim, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full-body grooming game. The grooming package I highly recommend is the Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a bush worst nightmare. With the Performance Package purchase, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxers. They have a bunch of other products on their website, too, to help you maximize your confidence and grooming game. So that's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. It's time to level up your game from the Amazon to the Amadong with the ultimate bushwhacking tools from Manscaped. So one more time, that's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back in, MD Nation, to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, live to you on our YouTube channel. We'll be live on On Demand on every, almost every TV app when you go to the Foxy Network app there, whether it's on LG, Samsung, Roku, or any web browsing device when you go to bellyup.tv. Download us after the show on your favorite podcast app. Give us a five-star review because that really helps out the show. I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'm joined here with Chris Dowhauer. We got the intern, Danielle, producing things from the back. I got to bring Danielle in real quickly because uh, we need somebody to break our tie from our last debate. Well, Clyde Ozelaire and Ronald Jones here. See, I have been a huge Clyde Edwards fan um, throughout his entire career. His very first year, I drafted him kind of on a whim because I realized I was in need of a running back and I was like all right guess we'll try him out and he did great that first year I was really excited for him on my team he wasn't my main running back but he was a good fill-in placeholder if you needed a running back on short notice or if it's your main running backs by week throw him in for that week I think that's the kind of position that he is for fantasy um I think obviously it's going to be very interesting to see how he goes does this year especially coming off of an injury and having that kind of weird season that he had last season and with all everything happening in Kansas City where there's just no wide receivers anymore I think it will be very interesting to see how they do in a running back offense instead of a wide receiver offense so Danielle is a wait and see that's pretty much what she's saying there which Hey, can't really argue with that at all. Daniel, we'll be seeing you again. So we got some more debates we're going to have to uh, sort out for us in a little bit. So, Chris, we're talking about the wide receivers now. Devontae Adams, obvious starter, ADP wide receiver four. I got him ranked at wide receiver five. Obviously not drastically different here. But he's not going to be competing for the wide receiver one. Like he's been competing for and taking as year after year with the switch over to Derek Carr. You just, you can't expect it. The big thing we talk about Derek Carr, what's been holding him back from being a top 12 quarterback? Well, it's the touchdowns. Now, Adams one of the best touchdown, you know, wide receivers in the game, maybe the best ever, but Derek Carr still has to prove that part of it. So with Adams, 
do you think he's got the ceiling for being a wide receiver one, or is that wide receiver five territory where you're at too? I think he can be debated. I think right now he's number three in my book. Um, I have Cup and Jefferson higher, but I think that he can, you know, is nipping. Not Diggs, really. Cause I, I have Diggs and Chase both higher. That's why I get him to five. So for my and I and I can understand some of these other guys, and you see a lot of the you know, especially with Buffalo's offense and the production they have with Stiggs. And I know I talked about having the chemistry kind of not right off the bat because they played you know 15 years ago, but Devontae Adams bringing something Derek Carr hasn't had in a long time, and it is a true red zone thought with a with a offensive coordinator that when he wants to, can scheme pretty much anybody open and has done a fantastic job of getting top tier receivers the ball especially in the red zone and where you even see that kind of transfer and it's kind of a stretch a little bit but you could just see the kind of transfer Randy Moss back at the day the Patriots was had, you know one of the best seasons ever with 20 some touchdowns Tom Brady Mike Evans what does he do in Tampa Bay so we have to put touchdowns right there's something to that offense a little bit there's something to that position when you have a certain guys they kind of make sure they get the ball in the one or two yard line they make sure they kind of feed those guys I think Devontae Adams is going to make sure that he gets kind of the cheap touchdowns so that make sense in a sense for Josh McDaniels to make sure he gets his gets his numbers. So I think he is going to be debate in that debate towards the end of the season. Why I have questions with him is because we can't, you know, we haven't seen it yet. It's a whole brand new offense. There's so many question marks coming into this offense. But I think there's you know every reason to believe why can't he? We're locking in this next guy. Lock him in. It's a lock. So Keenan Allen, his ADP is wide receiver 10. I'm a little bit lower. I have him at wide receiver 12, but essentially I have him as a low-end wide receiver one. He's Mr. Reliable. He'll be the target monster that he always is. Even last year when Mike Williams was having his little big spurt in the beginning of the season, Keenan Allen was still getting double-digit targets. It wasn't like he was forgotten about. Is there anything? Is Keenan Allen getting a year older? Do you are you worried about some sort of drop off or with Herbert and this offense and the way it's going? Is Keenan Allen just another safe guy that no one gets too excited about, but still ultimately is in that low end wide receiver one ter- territory? You mean the old man DJ Moore? Um, yeah, no, I think Keenan Allen is, and I'm going to be honest. This is hard for me to kind of that because I am a Keenan Allen hater. I'll, I'll be honest with that with empty nations on that. Um, as a guy, I struggle with all liking. Um, because I see most of the volume is basically the guy is locking on to somebody. And we did see parts of the season, particularly, you know, towards the middle part of the season where defense has kind of decided maybe we take Keenan Allen away. Justin Herbert won't be as effective. And he did struggle with that for a while there. So I think Keenan Allen is somebody who's kind of losing a step. When did they take Keenan Allen away? I'm curious because he rarely had a game where he was less than 10 targets. Patriots game. Um, it was one of the key games I can pick out to you. There was the um, in between well, Herbert was games. awful that game. I mean, that, that was a little they had an awful stretch, but because it took Keenan Allen away, Keenan Allen was his go to guy. He locks onto him when you take that first read away from Justin Herbert, he's not as good. And we'll see this year, whatever. But similar to Josh, so the Allen, only team in the NFL that game plans basically is what took him away. I mean, <laughs> some te- so, like I said, some teams actually tried to do that and it was effective to a degree. Now, Keenan Allen still has his injury concerns. He always gets banged up, nicked up here or there. So for me, it's a little too rich for my blood taking him as high as you have in the top 12, but I can't argue these guys in the top 20. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure what to say to that. But we're just going to move on. Look out for, for this next player. Look out for. So going back to Denver, Russell Wilson. We're excited about the wide receivers, for sure. This is the, the, by far the best quarterback Cortland Sutton has ever had, Jerry Judy's ever had, and people you know, are excited. 
But right now, the ADP on Cortland Sutton is wide receiver 27. I got it much higher. That, that's a that's a high-end wide receiver three. I got him as a mid-level wide receiver two at wide receiver 18. And I have him above Jerry Judy, by the way, who's at wide receiver 24. I'm actually a little bit lower. I got him at wide receiver 26. Now, that's a reflection of, I think Cortland Sutton's a better wide receiver. In this situation, if you're drafting with where their ADPs are at, you're drafting one or the other. You're not going to wind up with both of them. So, Chris, are you with me? Is Cortland Sutton the guy you want to have over Jerry Judy? Yeah, and I think mostly just because it's the red zone. But I also think it depends what kind of, you know, are you playing in a full-point PPR or a half-point PPR league? Full-point PPR, you might want Judy more. Half-point PPR, I think you're looking at Sutton or Sanders scoring because this is a guy who can utilize the red zone. We saw DK Metcalf. We saw and basically every six foot four receiver in Seattle be utilized red zone with Russell Wilson. It should be no different in Denver. So I think that's where you're going to see him kind of eat. But Judy is that more Kyle Lockett. We saw kind of fast piece of famine. Russell Wilson loved throwing to that slot receiver, that guy who gets open, the guy who's kind of quickening in and out of his routes. So he's going to get the volume. You just don't see quite the big plays, particularly in the red zone. And the big plays. Yeah, like you said, the, the big plays. Deep ball Russell Wilson. That's going to go to Cortland Sutton. Look, I love Judy. Like, I don't want to knock him. Like, he he was the guy I thought he could be the next Antonio Brown, which is his route running precision we saw in college. And I, I think that eventually is going to transfer over if he's able to stay healthy. And that's that's been an issue for him. Outside of the one ACL year for Sutton, he's actually been pretty healthy when he's been out there and on the field for the most part. He's not missing chunks of game each year like Judy has his first couple. But we'll see what happens this season. This whole linkage of, well, Sutton is DK Metcalf and, and Judy is Tyler Lockett. I understand where that's coming from, but the thing you have to take in consideration is that for the most part, Lockett was targeted more than DK Metcalf was. I don't think that's even going to be the case in this situation. And Sutton... While DK Metcalf is more athletically gifted, there's no question about that. Sutton's a more polished wide receiver. I think he's a more complete wide receiver where he can line up more than just the outside of the part of the field. That's why I get more excited about him in that situation. But I like them both ultimately. But I want to make the point of if you're going to draft one of these guys, I'd rather see you draft Cortland Sutton. Let's talk about the other Chargers wide receiver that I'm on the lookout for, though. Look out for. So Mike Williams, his ADP is wide receiver 19. I have him ranked at wide receiver 28. I know he got off to this fantastic, wonderful, elite start to the season, bangs up his knee, and while he doesn't really miss time, he's not the same guy for the rest of the year. But that's what Mike Williams does every year. He has an issue with his knee, doesn't miss time, he's hindered on the field, and winds up being what he always is, which is a boom or bust Wide receiver three. That's what he is. He That's what he finished as last year. Even with his big five weeks, weeks six through 18, wide receiver 29. When can we just say a spade is a spade and Mike Williams is a boomer bust wide receiver three and stop trying to inflect this potential idea of what he could be because of the athletic skill set that he brings to the table. But where are you at on Mike Williams, Chris? I think you've been a little hard on the guy. You talk, first talked about how he was injured, and then you just kind of point out how he basically fell off the start of the season as it progressed. And the injury correlates with some of the falling off of those numbers. But how is that different than any other year? Because he's always dealing with that knee issue. And, he, and it definitely could be a concern. And I can understand how Mike Williams knocked down for that, and you have different injuries definitely can knock down some of the values. But when the guy is out there, you saw the guy take a step in the, the right direction last year. That when people had written him off as basically a guy who was just a red zone or a deep threat guy. 
Now he's now he's a guy getting paid top tier money. Um, has a team that invested him. The Chargers don't spend money freely. Don't forget that, guys. So they make sure they're going to utilize him. The offense was definitely curtailed differently to utilize him differently. So for me, it gives me more hope what I saw last year than trepidation. I know that it wasn't kind of ending as it began, but I think there's a lot more things that kind of unfold. The injury concerns, I can't I can't argue those strongly. I mean, he has some knocks on him. He's, he's been injured. But Mike Williams has been out there. His offense has been one of the high-scoring offenses. The division is going to keep scoring points. Usually, Keen Allen, as I talked about, is going to be a guy you're going to take away. Are you going to put Mike Williams one-on-one? I love that all day, every day. I'll take that. I'll put that in my lineup. So when it comes to that, I think you have him kind of fair. I think he could be you know, receiver three, but I think receiver two is not, you know outside the cards. Look, there's just a lot of receivers I like. And will he win you weeks? Yes, there are going to be weeks that Mike Williams just flat out wins you. It's the consistency. It's the staying healthy. It's the fact of what he's been, even in a different offense, what happened in the second half of the season. It wasn't just the injury. It was they had quite a few games where we went back to you go deep. Maybe that changes with the emergence of a Joshua Palmer. Maybe it doesn't. But let's talk about some of the Chiefs wide receivers that I'm looking out for. Look out for. So this is the, the million dollar question, right? If you hit on a Juju or a Sky Moore or a Marquez Valdez-Scantling, if you draft one of those players and they pay off, you'll have a lottery ticket. There's no question about it. But I can't buy Juju. His ADP right now is wide receiver 35. I got him ranked at wide receiver 45. Sky Moore, I'm right alongside the ADP wide receiver 56. I have him ranked at wide receiver 57. I may be moving that up sooner rather than later. And then I have Marquez Valdez-Scantling as the third guy on that list. Smith Schuster has not been good, and it hasn't just been because Ben Roethlisberger, okay? He looks like he lost all the explosive ability once Antonio Brown left. I don't know what Antonio Brown had. I don't know if he had the magic source for Juju Smith-Schuster, what it was, because it wasn't like he got hurt and all of a sudden fell off a track. He just, just forgot how to get off the line of scrimmage, basically, when it came down to it. I can't buy that suddenly he's going to be this great, productive wide receiver. Will he get the first shot? Absolutely he will. But if you're looking to take your shot on a Chiefs wide receiver, the guy I'm taking is Sky Moore because you're still drafting him in the wide receiver five territory right now. And frankly, there's no doubt in my mind, he's the better, more explosive wide receiver of this group. And I think it'll be sooner rather than later when he gets his opportunities. Where are you at on this Chiefs wide receiver group? Yeah, so I definitely am not on Sky Moore. That's definitely not the guy that I'm identifying as I'm trying to target. I think the rookie receiver is going to have a lot of growing pains in this offense. This offense is kind of hard for some guys to learn. They might have some, you know, certain things they kind of use him to utilize him for certain play play calls to get them involved. But I don't think he's going to learn the playbook very fast. Any reads offense is kind of complex. Um, and then I look at the rest of the receivers. MBS probably has the most upside with the big plays. Um, you can see the EV with Patrick Mahomes throwing the bombs. So the guy who could run. Throw Michael Hardman in there, too. I forgot to add him. Um, Hardman, you know, uh, I'm not even going to talk about that guy. I think this guy <laughs> is another guy I think they just want to keep trying to build up hype for. But what I will say, and this, I can't agree with you more about Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he looks like he's terrible. I think he looks like he's running a quicksand out there. I can't believe this guy's still in the NFL or has a job. He's 25 years old, though. The Chiefs paid him. Ten million dollars. Twenty five, and he runs like he's sixty five. He does. Is <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but the reason I'm getting into all this is I do think that he's going to play the slot receiver, and Byron Pringle was very productive towards the middle of the season and towards the end of the season. So was Robinson at points for this Kansas City offense. The 
bland receiver, so to speak, in his offense tends to have the more production than the glamorous receivers outside Tyreek Hill. So I'm not going to try to stretch too far. I'm just going to say Juju's going to be a great guy to have in PPR. Standard or, or half-point PPR, half-point PPR, probably still a good receiver three option to have because he's going to see seven, eight catches a game. The problem you're probably going to get for standard scoring is probably 49 yards, um, and that's probably what you're going to get week in, week out. It's going to be a glorified running attack, I think. And I, and I think as a result, he will have value. I don't like it. I don't like saying it because it doesn't match up what you see under your eyes or what you shouldn't be out there. But they paid the investment. He's going to play the, the slot receiver. And with Kelsey's little attention he gets, I can see Juju easily being that guy that they kind of scheme open for easy catches. I just like so many other people in his ADP with way better upside. Oh, the, the only thing with Schuster that can make us eat our words that the fact that he is 25 – Maybe he wakes up in Kansas City and says, oh, you know what? I learned and remembered how to run again like I used to be able to my rookie year. Outside of that, I just I can't see it. And I don't I don't because of Mahomes and the Chiefs offense, you have to think about it. But I don't really want too many pieces of it. I'd rather take my shots somewhere else. That's why I'd rather take a guy like Sky Moore, because if he doesn't work out like you don't think he's actually going to. I cut him. No hard feelings there because they drafted in a position where I didn't spend that much on him to begin with. But I want to get to a be cautious of guy. Be cautious of? Hunter Renfro. Everyone's so excited about Hunter Renfro. This is ADP's at wide receiver 29. I got him ranked at wide receiver 46 because I actually recognize what Hunter Renfro is, which is an average athlete who was in a position last year. There was nobody else to throw the ball to for – Chunks of the season. Darren Waller in and out of the lineup. Brian Edwards, so much for that third-round hype. Nowhere to be found. He was on the field all the time. I checked the snap count. He was he was there. He just wasn't doing anything. So Hunter Renfro operated from a slot, got to be put in positions where he was featured, needed to get him in space. He performed well. I'm not taking anything away from him. He had nine touchdowns. He was he was great in, 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 lead, in, in, in separation. He was wide receiver eight in the weeks without Darren Waller last season. But as soon as Waller comes back, and it didn't necessarily mean that Waller had a good game, by the way. Just Waller's presence immediately knocked down Hunter Renfro to a wide receiver three. He was wide receiver 34 for the first weeks one through six. And then the stint with weeks eight through 11, he was the wide receiver 27. Now you add in Devontae Adams with his target share and his red zone we already talked about how he's going to be involved in the red zone. If Derek Carr goes up, it's going to be because of Devontae Adams. Hunter Renfro had nine touchdowns last year. That's a big reason why he was so fantasy relevant. He had six touchdowns combined his first two seasons. You're telling me Adams isn't going to cut that in half? He was already going to regress, most likely, because he had a 7% touchdown rate, and that was already well over the average. I'm not seeing with Hunter Renfro. I think if you draft there at wide receiver 29, you're passing up much better upside that's available at those positions. And while he may outperform the wide receiver 46 that I have him ranked at because Waller and Adams do have a tendency to miss a game or two here and there throughout the year, and he will be featured in those situations, I'm not buying into McDaniels plus white receiver equals Edelman or Wes Welker. Sorry, I'm not buying into it. But Chris, where are you? Well, I am buying into it, and it's not necessarily because it's the white receiver. It's because it's the quarterback and the slot receiver and a guy who runs fantastic routes and is where Derek Carr expects him to be. Derek Carr trusts Hunter Renfro. Now, you talked about the touchdowns. 
So we had to argue about Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen scored two touchdowns from week six to week 18. Hunter Renfro, as you talked about, as Darren Waller came back and stole the show, kind of, or even if he wasn't necessarily stealing the show, still outscored him touchdown-wise by double that. I don't know how Hunter Renfro is going didn't outscore him as a wide receiver. He didn't. Um, I think the offense is a little bit different, a little bit scheme, but I, I get your point. Um, having said all that, Hunter Renfro at 46 is ridiculously low. Uh, you, you you look at a guy who's definitely going to be the receiver two in his offense. You talk about Darren Waller. Darren Waller hasn't been great or good or healthy since you talk about you know years past. What's been 2019, 2020? Last time he's been relevant as a top tier tight end for the whole season. I know that he's got a lot of talent. He's over 30 now. A guy that hasn't had a long deal, long term deal. So Hunter Renfro does have that deal. Is somebody they're building around in, in the Raider offense. And I see no reason for this to change at all. Devonta Adams is going to get plenty of attention. The guy who's going to get less attention is going to be a slot receiver. We saw something similar who I think this guy's much more talented than, but we saw something similar in Buffalo. Stephon Diggs got all that attention. Cole Beasley ate just fine. I see on a runner for going to be every just four fine. Games. There was a lot games. of leagues where Cole Beasley was getting picked up off not the last year. wire. And okay, not I'm owned. not talking about last year. I'm talking about the year before. Cole Beasley had his good years. I'm sorry. I apologize, MD Nation. Not last year. Cole Beasley got phased out of the offense as the season progressed. We saw that with Emmanuel Sanders. We saw that with Mackenzie. With Even the year before, it was hit or miss. As he a has that three. He had one of the more consistent floors, and he was a guy who was going to get you five to six catches every game and about 60 to 70 yards. So in a half-point or four-point PPR, that's a nice guy to have on your team. Definitely not a 40, receiver 46 in my book. Yeah, I haven't seen too many offenses outside of Tom Brady, who had to throw the ball 731 times, that's been able to give you top 30 performances out of three different pass catchers the way the Raiders would have to with Adams, Waller, and then Hunter Renfro. The, the amount of volume that Derek Carr would have to go for in order for that to happen just isn't on the table. They're already a 60% pass team last year, already one of the top passing teams as far as their tendencies goes. It's not going to change with Josh McDaniels. It's not going to increase with Josh McDaniels. Derek Carr would probably have to throw for somewhere close to 5,000 yards and 32 to 35 touchdowns to have any chance for Renfro to actually get mixed in as a top 30 wide receiver if you've got Adams and Waller both being healthy on that team. It doesn't happen. It does not happen. And if you draft, um, who am I Who am I taking Renfro over who's behind him right now on the ADP list? He's at, so his ADP has actually been updated. He's actually now he's down a little bit. He's down, he's down the wide receiver 31. But I'm not taking Hunter Renfro over the upside of Darnell Mooney and what's looking like as the number one receiver in Chicago. I'm not taking him over the upside of Elijah Moore and what we saw him do towards the end of last season before he got hurt. I'm not taking him over Schuster. I have Schuster ranked one spot ahead of him. I'd rather take the shot with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense and what kind of target share he has in front of him. I'm not going to take him in front of DeAndre Hopkins. I don't care if he's missing six games. I'd rather have him down the stretch. I'm not taking Rashad Bateman, who's who's going behind him right now. All those guys way better have than Hunter Renfro right now. Well, first of all, you give great example of guys who are being criminally underrated as it is. So I can't argue strongly that those guys shouldn't be in your discussion anyway. But where Hunter Renfro is getting drafted at is still great value. And I think all those guys are great values at, the, at that late. That's why I said I'm not so big on some of these guys so high. And I think that when you look at the depth of this receiver position, there is a lot of depth to be had there. I'm not going to penalize Hunter Renfro because of that depth. I think this guy has been very productive. Why? Showed you last why take somebody who doesn't have the same upside nor the clear path? Because I saw him actually produce last year and had the quarterback, the same quarterback. I did not see Juju Smith-Schuster 
produced last year. That's I fair. A brand new system. So they say he's better than I saw Rashad Bateman play four games healthy last year. They say he's automatically okay, better. But Rashad Bateman is going to be the number one guy. He is. Does that mean something necessarily? This doesn't guarantee you're going to be the most productive guy out there. Darnell Mooney scored less touchdowns. He was number one receiver last year for the Bears and scored and how many touchdowns? better than Hunter Renfro by the end of the season. Hit him more than nine touchdowns towards the end than the season. Fantasy points. Fantasy points. Okay. So, okay. If we're going to go for the whole season. And Renfro's going to lose nine. T- he's not going to get nine touchdowns again this season with Adams added in and his, his career high touchdown rate. So you can go ahead and take that off the table. I'm trying to understand. This is the same guy trying to tell NBA Nation that, that their car probably could be a top 12 quarterback, even maybe higher. But yeah. he's not throwing the ball to receivers because they're not doing anything. No, he's not throwing the ball well, to all the time. There's a difference. There's called a guy not called Adams the and there's a guy called Waller. You talked about him not throwing the ball to him all the time last year when he kind of had that wall return that knocked him down and was still productive. So I don't see how now you add in Adams to the mix. The Why are we ignoring yes. the fact that Adams gets added into the mix? So he was already a wide receiver three with Waller on the field and nobody else. You add in Adams, Devonte freaking Adams, and you're telling me he doesn't fall down to a wide receiver four at that point on the same efficiency rate in the same season, which he's going off. That makes no sense to me, but I don't want to get too I long. Penal- I, want to- I don't penalize guys for having talent. I think it actually takes attention off the hundred run for where he's going to have the easiest guy to be out in the field. And he can do that one-on-one all day, every day. Let's bring Daniel in to break the tiebreaker, and then we'll go rapid fire on the tight end so we can ra- we can round out the uh, the show here. So, Danielle, where are you at between our Hunter Renfro heated debate? I personally think Hunter Renfro is a very talented wide receiver. I don't think I would agree with your rating, putting him all the way down at 46, and I would definitely take him over Juju. Juju is just way too inconsistent for my liking. So Hunter definitely wins in my book. And I'm on Chris's side in this debate. I think he's going to get a good amount of touches. I think he's going to be the wide receiver too. I think he's going to split between Adams because he is a new piece in the Raiders offense, Adams. Obviously, he's great. But, I mean, it's going to take him a little bit to learn the play style. you got a new head coach. It will take a lot of moving pieces for it all to fit in. So I do think Hunter Renfro will get an equal amount of touches. So I'm with Chris on this one. You know, it's hard to find a good intern nowadays, but, you know. Okay. <laughs> we, we have a great one. So that's what we're going <laughs> to Danielle, just stay on the show because we're just going to go rapid fire through the tight ends here. Chris, Travis Kelsey, ADP tight end one. I got him ranked at the tight end one. Is he not you the tight him. end one? Absolutely. Number one. Okay. And I don't, by the way, we don't care that maybe he's lost a step or maybe his efficiency's come down. Uh, there's all this talk about Tyree Kill. Yeah, guess where some of those targets are going. So there's no question there. Darren Waller, ADP's at the tight end five. I have him ranked at tight end four. Uh, basically, at the end of the day, I think he's a top five tight end in, in, in my book. Does the presence of Adams benefit him or hurt him in your mind? Is he a top five guy in your mind? He's not a top five guy in my mind. I don't think Adams necessarily hurts him. I think Waller's inconsistently being healthy and available, and him being the last year of his contract, that's what hurts him. So I do not have him in my top five. Where do you have him at? I have him. I haven't had my official rankings, but I would have him in the top ten, but I think that he's going to probably fall in that seven to eight range where some other guys that I kind of like a little bit more than him. I think he's just getting slept on. He's still a dynamic talent, but we can argue that later. Uh, our sleeper tight ends for this division or the guys you consider in the sleeper tight end territory to have some interest. Alberto, right now I'm in line, in line with the ADP. Tight end 16, I have him ranked there. And then Joe Everett, he's at tight end 22. I got him ranked at, at tight end 29. I, 
I'm out on the Gerald Everett idea that he's ever going to be this this good sleeper tight end, this guy that you really want to stream for multiple weeks at a time. He's been in situations. He's had opportunities. He got moved away from the Rams because he can't block. He's out of Seattle now, didn't do much there, although we, I'll give him the caveat of Russell Wilson was not very good either. He goes to the Chargers. Last year, Jared Cook, who I think is a much better athlete, was tight end 16. And, by the way, Jared Cook, he's not a great blocker, but he's a better blocker than Gerald Everett is. So he's, he was on the field more than I believe Everett will be on the field this season. There's guys are coming up that are younger for the Chargers that I think could cut into his playing time, too. I wouldn't be surprised if Donald Parham, for instance, wound up being the guy towards the later half of the season. So I'm just not on the Everett bandwagon. As it comes to Albert O., I like his talent. I like the possibility that he's in. The Greg Dolchitz thing does bother me as far as like how much work he's getting. But Albert O's been there in the system. I think he'll get the first crack at it. Greg Dolch is dealing with a core muscle injury right now, so that might put him a little bit behind. And just his overall incredibly explosive athletic ability, I'm willing to take a shot on him. At the end of the day, I'm not really looking for these options, but I would say Albert O more so than Joan Everett might be a sleeper option. But where are you on those two? Yeah, I flip flop those guys. I am afraid of Greg Dulich. Uh, Greg Dulich was drafted in the third round, has already taken first team snaps. Um, Albert O will be out there. And I think there's a lot of two tight end offense, two tight end offense sets out there. But the receivers in Denver are a lot more talented with Patrick, you know, Hamler coming off the bench as well. So I think there's something mouths to feed in the offense. I look at what you know, you know but Chargers have up that third receiver kind of who's going to step up. Will be Palmer. Will be somebody else. Everett can be easily be that third receiver also in the offense. Tight end can be successful. Cook to me was the last, you know, kind of his last leg, so to speak, still finished receiver sixteen or tight end sixteen last year. So I think I just flip off those two guys. Daniel, go ahead and break the tie on that one real quick. I think I'm gonna have a slight edge on Everett if I were to choose one, but ultimately, like you both said, I don't think I'm looking to choose either of them in my fantasy drafting. Yeah, I was a lot big on Albert O until Greg Dolch is actually started getting first-team reps as quickly as he did, which tells me there's something Albert O is not quite getting in spite of his athletic ability, probably blocking. That's going to do it for today's show, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. Next week is August, and you know what August means? The MD's Fantasy Football Show is back twice a week, baby. So we'll be on Wednesday and Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern next week. We got the top five Bus five, sleeper five quarterbacks, which is always a fun show. Chris and I debate a lot on those types of shows, usually speaking. And then I'm really excited for next Thursday's show, Chris, because we're going to have Brian Scott from the Injured List podcast, medical expert. He's going to come on the show. I got a laundry list of injuries that I want to talk to him about. Where is his risk assessment at with these guys before we get into our draft process? So it's going to be a full hour of just medical expertise on these guys coming off an injury heading into 2022 and maybe some updates with some what's happening in, in training camp. Cause we already had Ryan Jensen go down. That could be impactful for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but it's training camp season. So Julio. injuries accruing. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that real quick. Julio. If you didn't see the episode, I believe it was when we did the AFC South, we broke that news that we had an inside tip. Julio Jones was going to be going to Tampa Bay that Tom Brady was, was texting him all the time and, and trying to bring him in and recruit him in. That actually wanted to come to fruition. Nobody had that before this show did. So that's more of the reason why you should be watching the MD Spanish football show on YouTube. You should be downloading us on our podcast. You should be following us on social media where we have the player news notifications and our takes to help send you in the right direction throughout the week at Belly Up MD FF show. Listen, I'm Dan Mater, Chris Dowhauer, intern Danielle. We're going to see you guys next week. 
redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.